Hey there, friends. Welcome to episode 174 of Self Kind with me, Erica Webb. So today we are carrying on with our series around somatic exercise. We dived into our first episode in that series last week. So if you haven't tuned into episode 173, I would suggest you hit pause on this one, go back and listen to that one first, because it really sets the scene for what we're talking about. But today we're going to dive into some analogies around our movement blind spots and what that really means. So stay tuned for that right after this. Hi, and welcome to Self Kind with me, Erica Webb. This is a podcast about what it means to be, live, and move through a lens of self kindness. We'll look at the ways self kindness can underpin our practices in movement, mindfulness, and mindset to support us to be and do the things we so desire in the world. I'm thrilled you're here. Let's get into the show. All right, so episode 174. As I mentioned, this is the second part in a four-part series around somatic exercise. And last week, we really dove quite deeply into the idea of the soma, like what is the soma? And to recap very briefly, the soma really is our experience of our body from the inside out. It's sort of like that internal um, perception of ourselves and, and experience of ourselves. And we dove into sort of like the how of somatic exercise, which is pendiculating. So today what I want to talk about is to dive a little bit more into this idea of sensory motor amnesia, which we touched on last week, which is really about having blind spots in our movement capacity. And I also want to talk about how somatics can help us with other movements. So yes, it's a modality on its own, but how can it impact the other things that we're doing, whether that be you know, simply existing in the world, um, you know, moving around, doing the daily things, or whether it's weight training, yoga, uh, or anything else. So we're going to touch on that as well. So let's talk about somatic, uh, somatic. Let's talk about somatics. Let's talk about sensory motor amnesia. So we did talk about this last week. And really the idea of sensory motor amnesia comes back to this recognition that our body is going to, to sort of adapt to the situations that we're in. And that's going to be impacted by sort of emotional stuff. It's also going to be impacted by just the sheer physicality of how we use our body. So if we're holding ourselves in a particular way all the time, that will be kind, will kind of become um, a default pattern, a, a subconscious or unconscious way of, of moving or holding our body. And what can happen with sensory motor amnesia is we can become somewhat disconnected to our capacity for movement in other ranges. So this might be experienced as pain. It might be experienced as a sense of, of disconnect, um, lack of sensation even, um, or, you know, just expressed in a smaller range of movement. So not being able to sort of take our body into, into a range or through a, um, if you think about like rolling your shoulders around in a circle, sort of being like, I can't make a circle. I can make a D shape or a C shape. So there are these places where perhaps we're just not as connected to the, to the movement potential as we once were. And, I like to think of it as being, and I've used this analogy before, so you might have heard it before, but this idea of the Wi-Fi in, in your house or wherever. 
when you when that Wi-Fi is not clear, you might have websites that are really slow to load. You might have things drop out. You might have um, you know error messages coming up, and it sort of feels a little bit like that sensory motor amnesia. It's kind of like the connection's just a little something a little not quite right. Right? There's this sense that um, we can't quite sense what's happening, or we don't really have control. We might feel like, oh yeah, I can get myself through that range of motion but it jumps and it hops and it skips and it feels shaky. So there's sort of this sense of um, a, a disconnect or a lack of control. So what what are, the analogy that I love, and this is how it was explained to me all those years ago when I um, trained with my teacher, Lisa Peterson, who um, who is the one who certified me as a, a somatic exercise coach, is this idea of being kind of like on train tracks and our – habits are a bit like train tracks. We become kind of fixated, I guess, or uh, limited to what we have. So if I've done the same thing over and over and over again, I've kind of dug these, I guess you don't dig train tracks, but I've kind of created these these tracks for myself that, yes, I can get off them, but it, it becomes harder and harder, right? Or you might think of it as being like uh, a track that you've, that you've created through the bush and if you walk the same path every day that track that you create will get more and more defined and to the left and to the right of that track will be sort of like a more rustic area right a little bit less touched and you could walk off the path but it's going to take you more effort to do that you're going to have to pick and sort of find your way through it Um, it's not as clear it's not as easy to follow and that is probably the best explanation of a blind spot. It is this, or a or sensory motor amnesia, I'm going to use those terms interchangeably. It's that, it's that, you know, off the beaten path kind of thing. But it's not off the beaten path for what your body's capable of. It's just off the beaten path for the way that you've been using it. So the really cool thing about sensory motor amnesia or this idea of having movement blind spots is that our brain and our body are really good at change really good at it. That's actually what got us into the place of having blind spots in the first place. Our body adapted, our brain adapted, our brain figured out where can we be more efficient and it created that reality. So we have got immense capacity to go the other way as well and to say, hang on, I want to experience something different here um, and to consciously consciously explore those possibilities of movement and connection because ultimately it is about connecting our brain and our body or our body and our mind. And they are connected, but we're just sort of going, hey, how can we make this connection even clearer? How can we make sure that we like get that Wi-Fi uh, crystal clear, right? Really good connection. So this idea then that we've um, got the capacity to explore movement, it might sound kind of extreme in some ways, like, oh, I don't want to be able to do the splits or I, you know, I have no, I, no desire to do things that are um, extreme or pretzel like or, you know, I'm not going to join the circus anytime soon. And somatic exercise movements are actually very small uh, and they are very gentle and they actually don't ask us to stretch our muscles at all. Maybe a little bit, but it's the, the pendiculation itself doesn't include a, a stretch at all. Instead, it's it's asking us to move through that pendiculation in a focused, attentive way. So it's a mindful practice because it's that 
mind-body connection that is really being impacted. It's not simply a effect on the tissues, right? So, uh, and it never is actually, (laughs) I say that like there's an alternative. It never really is simply an impact on the tissues because the brain and the body are, are completely intertwined. But, um, when we pay attention, it's even more so. So somatic exercise is, is really quite accessible. The way that I teach it does require people to, to get down on the floor, but there are absolutely modifications that when I work with people one-on-one, we can, we can use those modifications sitting in a chair for sure. Uh, but generally it, it, you know, we will get down on the floor to explore it. Uh, but it is really, I, I struggle to use the word accessible because I realize by saying that you have to get on the floor that it automatically isn't accessible to some. It is so doable by, by a lot of people though, um, in a way that perhaps like power yoga or hot yoga or um, some of the more athletic or sort of stretchy sort of styles of yoga are not um, because you can come at it from wherever you are. It doesn't matter if you feel like a brick, right? Like you're just tense everywhere and you just feel brick-like. We can, we can do it from that place. Um, so I love that about it. It, it, you know, you can be in pain, you can be in discomfort, you can be tense, um, which obviously you can also be for yoga and other modalities. And I intertwine them. So I don't really tend to teach in a very sort of pure way, uh, which I, you know, I make no apology for. I, I think it's a really beautiful, um, combination, but it is really available for most of us or for a lot of us. And that's what one of the things that I love about it. So I wanted to talk a little bit about um, how it can support us in our other movement pursuits as well, because is, is somatics alone enough? I don't even know how to answer that question. Perhaps it depends on, on where we're at, right? So there will be periods of time where pretty much that is my practice is, is somatics. Um, I walk a lot as well. I do lift weights, although I go through seasons with that where I do more or less. Um, but the thing about somatics that I particularly love is how it can impact. I keep saying that. The thing about somatics that I particularly love, I love it all. Um, but I love the way that it can impact how other movement feels. I remember one of the first times that I did a full sort of day of training with my teacher and I got into the car to drive down to get some lunch. And I was like, I don't, I feel like I'm experiencing myself in a whole new way. I feel like I'm in my body in a whole new way. My voice dropped an octave, if that's the right word. Um, I felt more seated in myself or seated in myself. I felt more connected and I felt a way, I felt like I was moving in a way that I had never experienced before. It was subtle, but it was really significant. And the whole experience of then just being in my body and of moving, you know, walking into a shop and buying my lunch felt very different. It can also impact our yoga practice because that sense of control and connection through our movement options is so much clearer. Those movement blind spots exist everywhere, right? So they exist as we move through the world, as we walk, as we do our yoga poses, as we um, lift the weights, as we do anything. Those movement habits, those movement blind spots exist in all of those places. 
And so when we become more aware of them, we open up more possibilities for our other movement pursuits as well, because suddenly it's like, oh, I see the way that I'm like, you know, creeping my shoulders up towards my ears before I lift that weight or whatever it might be. And so it makes it possible to take that conscious control that we've discovered in the somatics and apply it to other things as well. Because one of the things that happens with one of the ways that I like to think about movement is that we want to have tools for finding ease for which somatics is my favorite and yoga. Um, And then we want to be able to build up competence, confidence, and capacity within those ranges. So that's where we want to introduce things like strength, um, weight bearing, being able to breathe while we do a certain movement, all of those sorts of things. So for me, somatics is a piece of that puzzle. There will be periods of our lives and, and of our experience where that is the only piece we're dealing with. And then there'll be other times where we can use it to inform the other other movement modalities that we're involved in or the other movement pursuits that we have. So as an example, one of the things that I've just started doing, which is um, I find humorous, I have just started playing basketball, like competitive basketball with um, a group of mums. And you can bet that my body was real sore after that first game, like really sore. So for me, somatics then was a way that I had access to saying, like I'm in discomfort. I was in like serious discomfort after that first game. Somatics though was a way for me to reconnect and to actually uncover some of those those blind spots because when I kind of noticed how I felt afterwards, I was really conscious of the places that hurt the most. And so for me, they represent areas that perhaps there's more blind stuff, blind spot stuff going on because they obviously were working harder or, you know, there was something, something going on. So it doesn't mean that I get critical, but it means that I get curious. And it means that I've got this tool in my tool belt called somatics that I can then use to find more ease pretty much immediately, pretty much right in the moment. Then if we were layering things like yoga, weight training, um, anything else on top, we're doing it through that lens of being more aware, I guess, of what we're doing, more aware, more connected and having more conscious control, which, you know, we do we always want to be thinking about how we move? No, 100% not, because it's exhausting. That would, you would be so tired by lunchtime. So you want to let your unconscious control take over to move you through the world. But being able to practice those moments of conscious control can actually change those moments too. So having that, that uh, connection is, is so valuable for every other movement pursuit that we might be involved in. I had a guy come to one of my sessions once who was a power lifter. Um, and power lifting is like crazy heavy weights on barbells, um, being lifted by people. And he had a, a power lifting meet the next day. And I heard that, or maybe he would had just been training. Anyway, he had something the next day and he was like, I've never lifted so well in my life as I did the day after I had done somatics. So, or, you know, he'd not, maybe I'm exaggerating, but he had had a really significant, um, he, he noticed it. He noticed that connection that he had that wasn't there without it. So it is really quite cool. Um, the other thing that I want to point 
to in this episode is how recognizing these physical blind spots can also impact our mental space. And I think this is really interesting because so many of these blind spots and these movement habits are tension holding patterns. So like even as I'm sitting here recording, I'm noticing that my shoulders are starting to get quite tight. And in part, it's because I'm excited about what I'm talking about. So I can sort of feel myself leaning forward and my shoulders kind of lifting up because I'm kind of in that uh, forward momentum sort of space. Um, But at other times, you know, sometimes I notice that when I'm driving that like I've got my bum really tightly clenched or my teeth really tightly clenched, or I might notice that, uh, you know, I don't know if you've had ever had a kid refuse to go to school or have um, tears before walking into the classroom, you might notice that as you approach the school, like, you know, your belly starts to tighten or whatever. So we might have these these patterns that kind of exist in response to like a psychological or, or um, emotional feeling. And so when we become aware of those physical sensations related to that, we might look at that and go, oh, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a pattern happening here. And then that might invite us and encourage us to sort of notice like what is going on for me right now? Am I in need of a moment of mindfulness? Am I in need of some breaths, right? Like some pausing moments here. Do I need more support? Do I need to remind myself that I'm standing on firm ground and I can, you know, not levitate my way off the floor here. I can actually connect with that earth and feel that sense of support from the ground. And so it sort of invites us to get more curious to be like, like, how am I? What do I need? How do I need to be supported? How do I need to be met right now? So again, it comes back to that sense of self-kindness and self-compassion because we might notice the physical stuff first. And I think that's often the case. You notice that sort of sore belly, you notice the tightness in your shoulders, you notice the whatever, the furrow in your brow. And then it's like, oh, why, you know, what am I thinking that's kind of led me to this point? What am I experiencing right now that's led me to this point? Not so that then we can judge that, not so that we can then blame or shame or feel guilty about that, but so that then in that moment we can be like, okay, what do I need? Like how can I support myself here? What do I need to help, you know, either downregulate my nervous system if I'm feeling a bit amped up or um, you know, whatever it might be. Do I need a rest? Do I need to make a phone call? Do I need uh, to take a pause? Like what is it that would support me in this moment? So I love that 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 enhanced awareness of our physical self can also help us to be more mindful of, you know, what we're experiencing in general and how we're talking to ourselves about that. Okay, I am just having a quick little look at my notes and I'm looking at the time too because, as I mentioned, this is part of a four-part series, so I'm going to leave a little bit for the next two episodes. But today really we've touched on this sort of train tracks or um, bush track analogy for what a, a, a blind spot or that sensory motor amnesia represents and how sort of enhancing our awareness, enhancing that conscious control can help us with our movement in general and potentially other movement pursuits as well. And how recognizing our physical blind spots and habits can also impact how we relate to ourselves kind of, you know, in the way that we talk to ourselves um, and, and becoming more aware of those mental processes that are happening in the moment.
Next session or next next session, next next episode um, in this series, we're going to talk about this idea of movement being both an input and an output from the brain and why that's so important when it comes to understanding why somatics is so powerful. So I'm going to leave it at that, but do remember that uh, coming up on the 25th of November, no, not November, October, 25th of October, I am running a free workshop all about somatics and self-kindness to help reduce and um, manage aches, pains, and tension. We're going to be doing a physical practice together and also going through, you know, more of this type of stuff. Like, why does this work? Why might we want to be exploring this as part of our toolbox? Um, and you'll get to feel it for yourself. So if you've never done a session with me, if you've never felt, you know, the, the impact of somatic exercise before, this is a really wonderful opportunity to do that. The workshop is completely free, running it at two different times on the 25th of November, I want to say November so bad, the 25th of October, 2022, 10 a.m. and 7.30 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time, which is Melbourne time. So that should cover off most time zones so that hopefully you can join me live, but there will also be a replay if that's not possible for you for whatever reason. So head to ericawebb.com.au forward slash free workshop. I'll pop that link in the show notes as well, and that will um, give you some more information and there's a really simple sign up there so that you can save your spot for that workshop. All right, until next time, keep being kind to yourself and I will look forward to seeing you again soon. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Self Kind. If you loved it, why not share it? And while you're there, take the time to subscribe, rate and review the show. I'd love you to come hang out with me more too. You'll find me over on Instagram at ericaweb underscore selfkind. And you can sign up for my e-newsletter by heading to my website, ericaweb.com.au. While you're there, you can also read up more about the Self Kind Hub and other ways of working with me. Until next time, keep being kind to yourself. Bye.